stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Well, folks, if you doubted the power of this Me Too movement, uh, doubt no more. Uh, They are calling it the most astonishing night in Ontario's political history. It has been a wild 24 hours, a shocking 24 hours. I sat here yesterday afternoon, uh, and we don't typically even mention Nova Scotia politics, but how stunning it was that the leader of the Nova Scotia PC party had resigned uh, amid serious, incredible sexual harassment allegations. But holy cow, the leader of a political party. Well, just hours later, the story broke about Ontario PC leader Patrick Brown. And uh, as I say, it has been a, a wild night that uh, led to Patrick Brown initially denying the allegations, saying he would stay on as PC leader uh, to resigning at some point in the middle of the night. Now, keep in mind that Ontario was probably about five months away from an election. All the polls indicating that Patrick Brown was well positioned to be the next premier of Ontario. Not now. So, I mean, this raises all kinds of questions, of course, uh, about the conduct of politicians and how seriously we take allegations uh, of not just criminal behavior, but inappropriate, even creepy behavior. Because amid all the news breaking uh, about Patrick Brown, now we've got allegations coming to light about another politician, Kent Hare, who, of course, is a liberal MP for Calgary, uh, is a member still of the prime minister's cabinet, despite some recent controversies. Uh, there have been some allegations uh, come forward about uh, Kent Hare's creepy behavior uh, back when he was an MLA here in Alberta. That women were warned not to be alone in an elevator with him, uh, that he had said something a little untoward toward one female staffer at the Alberta legislature. It's something the prime minister says he will soon address. So where does that leave Patrick Brown? Where does that leave Kent Hare? Where does that leave any other politician? who may find similar allegations surfacing uh, at some point in the near future. And how should we all react to this? I mean, there, there should be. There is, I think, when it comes to allegations of criminal behavior, certainly an expectation of due process, that allegations must be tested in court. People must be found guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. Uh, but that's, does that apply here? If someone's been accused of doing something untoward, inappropriate, controversial, What kind of standard of proof do we need? And what about political parties? Because even if there's question about it, if you feel as though you're tainted by it, maybe you need to act. And I think that's what the Ontario PC Party has done here. I suspect that's what the federal liberals will do here. But it raises all kinds of interesting questions, doesn't it? Joining us to talk more about all of this, very pleased to welcome to the program John Ibbotson is a columnist for the Globe and Mail, theglobeandmail.com. Had a really fascinating piece on all of this today. John, thanks so much for making some time for us. Hey, my pleasure. Uh, you've covered politics for some time. you ever seen anything like the past 24 hours? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. I covered Queen's Park for six years. Uh, I arrived just as Mike Harris uh, had, was becoming Premier of Ontario. And that was a pretty wild ride, though, those, those years, late 1990s, with public service strikes and teacher strikes and everything else. But no, nothing like this. We, we, we don't know what's going to happen to Mr. Hare yet, but it, it's entirely possible that in the space of less than two days, like 36 hours, really, that three um, you know, senior political figures in, in Canadian political life could lose their jobs uh, over allegations of inappropriate conduct. Um, 
I've never seen a social movement take hold and accelerate the way the Me Too movement is accelerating. I wrote this in the column that others occupy, Idle No More, even Black Lives Matter. They they have a season and then events move on. They, they, they go off the front page. This is probably wrong. This is probably unjust. But it's the way of the world. But, but since the first allegations against Harvey Weinstein came out in the New York Times last October, we're just seeing a cascade of people who are losing their, their careers, losing their reputations, really their lives are being destroyed because of these allegations. And it is accelerating, not retreating. Yeah. And as you point out, I mean, it, it can happen in an instant. It's all it's one day you're fine. The next year career is over. And look, um, each one has to be assessed uh, independently. Uh, I've had a number of emails and tweets from people saying, well, you know, you're innocent until you're proven guilty. He's been convicted uh, in public before he's even had a chance to properly defend himself. Um, but look, that argument just doesn't hold. Um, there's, there's an election on June 7th. It's a, it's a mandated election. You would go into an election with your candidate um, accused credibly uh, of, of serious acts of sexual assault. Um, at, at, at times, you had to just decide, first of all, you know, are you going to respect the accusers or aren't you? And too often in the past, we have not respected them. Um, but these stories were vetted by CTV by, uh, and by one of the best reporters in this country, uh, Glenn McGregor. Um, I trust the, the CTV operation uh, implicitly. And um, within minutes of the allegations being conveyed, uh, Mr. Brown's own senior staff said, you must resign, and if you don't, we will. And he wouldn't, and they did. I think that's the most powerful condemnation of all, that there was no one around him who was prepared to come to his defense. Um, And so his political career is over. Uh, it would appear to be. Now, as you say, I mean, uh, we do need to look at each of these independently. It would probably be unfair to equate uh, equate Mr. Brown with, say, Harvey Weinstein and what he's been alleged to have done. Uh, so what do we make of these allegations? Because in, in a workplace context, maybe it would be a firing offense. This kind of behavior it doesn't seem to rise the level of, of criminal behavior. How, how do we judge it? Well, of course, the police will decide the, whether they want to investigate this behavior and whether they want to lay charges, just as Mr. Brown will decide whether he wants to take civil action against his complainants um, and take them to court uh, for defaming his character. Um, those are important criminal and civil and legal issues. But uh, I'm a political columnist. I'm just looking in the... Uh, for me, it's not the, it's not the courts of, of law, but the court of public opinion that matters. And yes, um, in the case of Mr. Bailey in Nova Scotia, Mr. Brown in Ontario, and I suspect now Mr. Mr. Hare at the federal level, um, the emphasis and the onus now is on 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 trusting and believing the accusations that level against them unless they have a compelling way in which they can refute it. And you can say, well, that's not fair, but. You know what? How fair was it all the years, the decades, the generations in which women uh, were were not believed or kept silent because they knew they wouldn't be believed? I'm for this. I think it's healthy. And if there are men out there right now who are staring at the wall and wondering if, if the next email is going to be for them, fine. So you think it would have been a lot different uh, 10 years ago even, certainly 20 years ago, 30 years ago? Oh, absolutely, totally. And one of the things I said in the column was that, uh, you know, I'm a boomer, and maybe I had deluded myself. I thought that the, 
the, the, the sexual revolution of the 60s and 70s, the women's rights movement, legislation, uh, judicial rulings, just changing attitudes in society had made things better for women, had made um, the, the powerful men who believed that they could use their power in order to satisfy their sexual appetites, that those men had disappeared from our world or had become very, very rare in their world. God knows there were a lot of them around when I was young. But I thought they had, they had either gone away or learned to... to uh, um, keep whatever they were thinking to themselves. But no, this is not the case. The one thing that Me Too has revealed is that today, um, the, exactly the same stuff is going on that used to go on back in my day. And we boomers deluded ourselves into thinking that we had, we had fixed this problem. It is not fixed. And if there has to be a bit of a political bloodletting, because politics is the, you know, the most public of all the, the, the professions, then again, I say so be it. Well, some interesting points you raise. Uh, people can read your column again at theglobeandmail.com. John, thanks so much for making some time for us here today. Appreciate it. My pleasure. All right, take care. John Ibbotson, columnist for The Globe and Mail, theglobeandmail.com. So his thoughts on the power of this Me Too movement and things coming to light that maybe need to come to light and women feeling empowered enough that they can share their stories is something he says that needs to happen. He says the public square is not a court, and anyone of goodwill stands today with those who say enough, no more. No more fine words and fancy declarations that protected no one. No more lip service to equality, even as the man presses himself against the girl or boy, frozen, terrified, not knowing what to do. Let everyone know, if you're accused, you could lose everything, maybe in just a few hours. But should that scare us? That's a, a lot of power to put into the hands of allegations. I think we need to look at how credible are the allegations, how old are the allegations, and uh, how serious are the allegations, right? And I think those are the factors we need to look at. you got to judge the character of, of any politician. And not everything is going to be a matter for the courts. So at what point can we say so-and-so is guilty of that? I believe that that person actually did those things or said those things. Right. Creepy behavior is not criminal behavior, but maybe we should expect better of our elected officials. And maybe that's something we'll hold against them next time we have an opportunity to cast a vote. And I think that's why political parties are scrambling. They don't want to be associated with people like that. But so keep in mind, and, and I heard Danielle earlier go through what what's, uh, Patrick Brown is alleged to have done. And I, I don't get the sense that we're talking about criminal activity. Maybe some of it police may want to to look into. Certainly had women who say that they felt very uncomfortable in certain situations. But it's more a case, I think, of inappropriate behavior, creepy behavior. Uh, maybe using your, your position of power inappropriately. And people should be held accountable for that. But that's not a job for the courts to do. So I think you need to look within yourself and reach your own judgment about these individuals. Sometimes it's partisan. You look at what happened in Alabama with Roy Moore. Some very credible allegations about his behavior. And I think some people chose to believe that or not believe that for political reasons. Same thing with, with the guy in the White House. I think what we have here is a very nonpartisan problem. Now, if you want to look at the Ontario PC party and say they've got a big problem to score political points against them, or you want to look at the federal liberals and say, look, Kent Hare and Darshan Kang, they got a problem there. I don't think this is exclusive to any one political party. But it's hard to take politics out of this sometimes. 
I want to get your thoughts on all of this. 403-974-8255-974 talk. Should Kent Hare be kicked out of the Liberal caucus? Should he be kicked out of Parliament? What should happen to Patrick Brown? Or anybody else uh, who finds themselves uh, in the sights of the Me Too movement? We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.